Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's episode, we are going to be continuing our free agency and trade frenzy because there's been plenty of new deals since we last spoke, and some of them are a little bit crazier than others. I think a few might be a little bit surprising, especially considering the names. But we'll start with one of the big rumored ones that is yet to be announced and potentially what it means for the Jets because this would arguably be a huge move and potentially one that could reshape Winnipeg's near-term future. And that is the rumored exchange between the Florida Panthers, Winnipeg Jets, and Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas is trying to dump a lot of cap right now because, of course, they've got Flurry on the books and nobody wants to take his contract on. But they also have quite a few other players with term, and one of them is Nate Schmidt. With how many contracts that they have on the books currently and the amount of raises that people are going to be due over the next few seasons, it's naturally understandable that the Knights are looking to dump cap. But of course, they have quite a few players who are productive and signed to big deals. So at this point, it's kind of figuring out what the best way to cut salary without sacrificing talent would be. The Panthers are technically looking for forwards, although I feel like they just need a lot of different things because that team is not particularly great. They've got an aging goalie signed to a massive free agency deal. And of course, their defense is decent, but not exactly outstanding. What the Jets want is pretty clear, and that is a top four defenseman from somewhere, preferably somebody who can play the right side, but I suppose they would settle for a left-handed or left-sided D if it it came down to it and they couldn't find anyone at a reasonable price. So there's an interesting three-way trade here. Uh, It sounds like originally Vegas was talking to Florida, and at some point Winnipeg got roped in. Jack Roslovic seems to be the guy on the move from the Jets, and I feel like this is a pretty sensible trade. You know, Roslovic is a very talented young forward with plenty of offensive upside and skill sets that could be utilized by another team, but he's just not going to be able to showcase what he can do in Winnipeg's top six anytime soon. The Jets are loaded to bear on the wings, and I feel like Roslovic never really developed into the second-line center the Jets were hoping for. So Roslovic tends to be the odd man out, and I think that he personally would like a change of scenery. He wants more ice time, he wants a bigger role, and he's just not going to get either playing for the Jets. Now, while I do think that he has plenty of potential, I'm also not 100% sure if he's ever going to reach it. I've been waiting to see more from him overall because I feel like there is a a well of talent there that is yet to be fully tapped, but I'm also not sure if he's actually going to achieve that level that we kind of expect from him. He was at the time hailed as the successor to Matthew Perot, but I feel like his trajectory has never really gotten to the point where I would be comfortable painting him in that same light. You know, Perot, when he was at his best, was a dominant two-way forward with really underrated scoring rates, excellent shot impacts, and incredibly good defensive acumen because he was constantly dominating control of the puck. It's not that Roslovic will never do that kind of stuff, but I just haven't seen enough from him to really get a sense of whether or not he's going to ascend to that kind of uh, that level of play. He could do it somewhere else, and it sounds like he'll be doing it either in Vegas or Florida. Now, from what it sounds like, the Knights will not be taking him on. I would imagine that it would make more sense for him to go to Florida, a team that is frankly destitute for top six talent and could really use a bit of a young scoring injection. Roslovic is going to have a lot more responsibility there, and hopefully it doesn't sit too too heavily on his shoulders, because I do think that he has plenty of talent, he could be a really nice offensive play creator, and he's also got an underrated release. So all of this stuff kind of married to his offensive instincts, which are pretty sharp when he's in the attacking end, I, I could see him being a pretty good forward there. I could see him being a regular contributor, and he has an ability to kind of slip between defenders almost undetected, so maybe that shiftiness will get him quite a few more points than he's getting with the Jets. Vegas in exchange is probably getting some sort of futures because they're mostly looking to dump cap, and even though they probably will lose a productive NHLer, I think that they could definitely use something of a restock on their supply 
nice because they've been panning out prospect picks quite often in exchange for lots of rental players and a couple of guys that they've ended up resigning long term. The guy that they seem to be letting go is Nate Schmidt. Now, Schmidt's a very interesting defender. When he was a cap, he was often a very underrated, underappreciated, puck-moving offensive defender with quite a bit of offensive upside. He was often very dynamic and could really skate with a lot of control, either through the neutral zone and through the offensive zone. With the Golden Knights, Schmidt was able to really blossom into a a top-four defenseman, occasionally top-pairing when he was at his best, and it was really evident that there was quite a bit of potential in what he could do on the ice, especially whether he was manning 5v5 play or quarterbacking the power play. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like a left-sided Truba in that he's very aggressive in the offensive zone, he's not afraid to drop below the the face-off circles, and he'll get in close when he feels it's appropriate. He's also very good at making smart decisions, and he likes to set up line mates for good scoring opportunities. The trick with Nate Schmidt potentially going to the Jets is that he comes with a major contract. He's signed for about $5.9 million uh, with five years remaining on his current deal. And he's at 28 years of age, so it runs basically till he's around 33 or 34. The thing about Nate is that I have slight hesitations in this deal thinking about potentially the long-term ramifications. He's not cheap, he will occupy a good chunk of cap space, and last year he didn't have great results with Braden McNabb. Now maybe it's McNabb who's actually the one really struggling these days. And typically what we want to find is sort of the long-term trend, and overall the long-term trend with Nate Schmidt is very good. He's a really high-end second-pairing defenseman, again, occasionally with top-end results when he's at his best. But it is true that he's getting a little bit older, and the one thing that I think most concerns me about him is how the Jets plan to use him. We all know that Paul Maurice recently has felt like he can't trust his defense, so he plays a really conservative style. All of Winnipeg's forwards are asked to bunker down and hold back, which kind of takes away from the one thing that they do really well. Schmidt, in his own end, is capable, certainly, but he's not exactly a defensive defenseman, and I think that that's kind of something that's really important to note when he's constantly carrying the puck up the ice and playing in a really up-tempo, high-octane system. The Jets haven't played like that since 2017-2018. I think the biggest question is, would Nate Schmidt fit in here if that style of play isn't used? And to be honest, I don't really know. What I'm hoping for is that Schmidt gives Maurice the confidence to go back to 17-18 and let the Jets kind of run free. I think that if he does that with Hellebuck maybe posting another Vezina caliber season, the Jets have potential to make noise. Long term, I don't think Schmidt would be around for too, too many seasons because, again, he is starting to get older. You know, he is only 28, but in in hockey player terms, of course, that's getting up there in years, especially as you start entering your 30s. And to be honest, Seattle's right on the horizon. I don't think he'd get taken there. Most likely, the Jets would probably want to expose somebody else first unless the experiment goes terribly wrong. Do I think that this is a deal worth doing? Overall, I would say yes. I think that there is a fair exchange here. I think the Jets are incurring some level of risk, but what the potential benefits would be are certainly in great abundance. He fills an exact need that the Jets have. We've been asking them to make moves for a top four defenseman for some time now, and of course, I personally like Schmidt because I got to watch him when he was a cap, and he was a very fun player. He's a super nice guy, and at his best, he can be a really dominating defenseman. I don't know if it's going to work out, but I I really hope that it does, and I really hope that Schmidt is in fact the one coming to Winnipeg because he would be a very interesting addition. If he is not the one going to the Jets, then maybe Mackenzie Wieger from the Florida Panthers would be. All I know is, to some degree, I am glad the Jets are getting a bit aggressive with this trade market because we saw them sign Sabisa and Thompson, plus Derek Forbort. Forbort's actually a right, which we'll talk about a little bit later and, and recap that one a little bit. But, you know, none of these guys are certainly on the level of a Nate Schmidt, and Schmidt could potentially change how this team plays next season. So, fingers crossed for positive vibes. 
Up next, we will take a look at two other free agent winger signings, both of which have potential to reshape the Eastern Conference. But before then, I thought you should hear a little bit more about Built Bar's recent relaunch. If you're a longtime Locked On listener, you know that I'm personally a big Built Bar fan. I think that they're a great alternative to the usual boring protein bars because they have a nice, tasty, dark chocolate exterior with a very chewy, soft interior. Their OG 12 flavors include coconut almond, raspberry, banana bread, and more. And personally, I always found raspberry and mint brownie to be my favorites. But now, with the new and improved Built Bar, they're back with six more flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As good as Built Bars taste, they're also great for you. With most coming in at 200 calories or less, 5 grams of net carbs, and between 15 to 19 grams of protein. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and they're also perfect for keto diets. Right now, through the end of tonight, you can also get 12% off your order, and be sure to check out their strawberry flavor. They're currently working with a number of breast cancer awareness organizations, and Built will match your donation to organizations listed above up to $50 per order, including Barbells for Boobs, Breast Cancer Angels, Huntsman Cancer Institute, and Living Beyond Breast Cancer. You can also purchase a breast cancer awareness hoodie for $19.95, with all proceeds going to those same four organizations. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and place your order today. On a more serious note, I also wanted to talk a little bit about a common issue for a lot of men that is often awkward or embarrassing, and that's erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. Getting started is super easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Log on today and get the treatment you deserve. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are continuing our free agency coverage, and we have two major free agent signings on the offensive side of things to talk about. The first is Taylor Hall for one year at $8 million to the Buffalo Sabres, and of the free agent signings, this is probably one of the most puzzling. I'm not really sure why Hall has chosen the Sabres for a season. He said he wants to win, but when you think about that team and the fact that Hall is starting to get a little bit older, I'm not really sure that this is a great move for him to sign there. I mean, maybe I'm, you know, underestimating the Sabres next season, but I look at that roster and they really haven't made any actually decent moves because they just signed Cody Egan for like two years or something at $2.25 million, and they really haven't brought in any acquisitions that suggest to me that they're any closer to being competitive than they were last season. I feel like Taylor is maybe waiting for some kind of a big-ticket, big turn deal and maybe there just wasn't one sitting around there so he decided to go to the Sabres but I don't really know why you would go to Buffalo if you want to show off. If you're going to take a one-year deal take it with a contender but I could also see that maybe because of the way that the market is right now maybe teams weren't really willing to give him you know that much cash for one season. That said it's just one year. I'd be hard-pressed to imagine that there's a team out there that didn't really want to bring in somebody as talented as Hall for at least one season. Even if it's a short-term deal and he becomes a free agent afterwards you'd basically be paying for a deadline rental, you know, through cap space rather than trading assets away, which I think is pretty fair. And it's not just a rental, you get them for an entire season. There are quite a few teams that Hall could easily improve. So I'd, I'd imagine that, you know, there had to have been at least more than one offer for him to, to go somewhere, even on a longer term deal. Whatever the situation is, it is very strange that Hall finds himself on yet another team that's not really a contender because he's clearly good enough to play for some of the best teams in the league. But the fact that he isn't is something that I don't really 
get 100%. I mean, maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but Taylor, you would have to think, would get a contract offer from at least one of the big teams. Tons of teams have made cap space over this recent offseason period because they're trying to get free agents and stuff, and Buffalo is where he ends up going, so I'm just not really sure what this deal is or why either party was particularly interested in it. Buffalo, I could imagine trying to attract fans and making Eichel happy, but beyond that, I mean, surely they aren't expecting to compete would be my guess. I'd imagine that Hall probably doesn't expect them to do that well either because he only signed a one-year deal, but then again, that is one year off of his potential prime, I guess, performance level, so I don't know, it's a weird deal. Another deal that's kind of weird, but for a very different reason, is Montreal getting Tyler Toffoli for around four years at 4.25-ish million. That is an absolute steal of a contract, especially for a guy who is as good at creating offensive opportunities as Toffoli is. Yes, Toffoli's individual goal-scoring exploits are probably a little bit more limited than you'd expect, but as far as like a play driving forward who can significantly improve your offensive threat in and around the net and do so without really sacrificing any sort of defensive performance, Toffoli is a masterful playmaker and I really feel like Montreal got a great one in him. The only thing that I could say about this deal is that uh, maybe Toffoli doesn't immediately fix their primary need of goal scoring, but certainly in terms of play driving ability and creating offense, Toffoli is definitely among the best in the league, and I feel like at the price that they got him for, there's really no complaints. If he doesn't pan out, I'm sure you could trade that deal somewhere, but I'd imagine that he'll be in a Montreal uniform for some time. Aside from that, there were a few other contracts and free agent signings, but I think the more notable one that may apply to the Jets would be Dallas resigning Roddick Fox uh, for five years at $16.25 million. And this is probably a pretty good deal for the kind of impact that Foxa brings, which is a really high-end middle six center. I also think that it's a good comparable for what I would be willing to pay Andrew Cobb should he be wanting to extend with the Jets long term. I know that Cop has occasionally not been thrilled with how he's been handled in Winnipeg, but I feel like his responsibilities have only continued to grow as he stayed with this team, and hopefully he ends up signing long-term and the Jets can lock him up. I think that he's probably one of the few depth players that I would consider locking up, especially because he's not really a depth player. He's kind of like a, a top 6C masking as like a third or a fourth liner, so if you can get him locked up for a long time, you can really build a, a nice third line and a really good scoring one around him. You can also use him as a temporary second line center if things get really tight in a pinch, so I feel like the kind of value that he'd bring on a similar contract would be very good. They both have similar scoring rates, I think they both have a, a really positive impact on the ice, Cop is especially good at defending, and given all that, I'd be happy to lock him up around 3.25 to 3.5 per season. I think he's that good, and certainly you get him for four seasons maybe, I think you're going to be very happy. Up next, we do have a bit of breaking news regarding the whole Nate Schmidt thing, because there has been a particular development that I don't think you're going to be thrilled with, but we'll talk about the implications of what it means going forward, and what happens with the Jets now. Welcome back to this closing segment of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are just going to spend a little bit of time talking about the brand new Alex Petrangelo contract, which Petrangelo has now signed with the Vegas Golden Knights for a whopping $8.8 million by 7. Now, if you ask me, this is a kind of a rough contract because I don't know that Vegas really needed to sign Petrangelo. I look at their roster and what they've accomplished over the past several seasons, and I can't imagine that Petrangelo really changes the math. Is it because their forwards or defenders are really struggling? I don't think so. I just think that they've gotten goalied a little bit. They've had some poor misfortune. I just feel like that team is very close to figuring it out, but maybe just hasn't gotten the right bounces yet. 
that said, I feel like what they're doing with this team and, and signing a big contract like Petrangelo's is kind of not really the sort of move that you should be making. I think that it doesn't really immediately improve their roster situation, and it's definitely not the way that, you know, you look at a team like Tampa Bay and how they've built their roster with sorting out underrated depth players on the trade market. When Tampa commits to their players, they tend to go for guys who I feel like they they are comfortable ride or dying with, and they can also convince players to take cheaper deals because they are, in fact, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they've also just now won a cup. That's why Maroon signed for, you know, 900k a season for a couple years. Looking at Vegas and thinking that they have now just signed such a big free agent defenseman on such a long-term contract, especially now that he's in his 30s, I'm just not really feeling this. And what they ended up doing with Nate Schmidt, who was the rumored connection to the Jets, is that they actually sent him to Vancouver for a third-round pick. Florida and Winnipeg ended up not being part of this deal at all, which is kind of interesting because I feel like the Jets, of course, were looking for a top-four defender, and certainly they would have been in on Nate Schmidt if they felt like they could get him at a reasonable deal and maybe if they could get some salary retained, which, you know, Vegas was probably not doing, and I guess they felt Vancouver would be, you know, a more natural trade partner. For me, I kind of look at this situation as a very strange one because I feel like, you know, Vancouver just gave up Tyler Toffoli and Troy Stetcher on the free agent market. Toffoli, you know, signing that 4 by 4.25 deal that we talked about a little bit earlier on the show, and Troy Stetcher signing in Detroit for 1.7 by 2, which is, you know, a pretty cheap deal. 1.7 million for just two seasons. I feel like you can't really go wrong there. Um, and certainly kind of watching another fan favorite walk away is a bit strange if you're a Canucks fan. I think Vancouver has sort of tied itself uh, to the mast with all of the contracts and free agents that they've brought in over the years. And, you know, long term, I'm not 100% sure if Nate Schmidt will fix that. But, you know, we'll, we'll find out soon enough because they have contract extensions coming up for, uh, you know, of course, Quentin Hughes and Elias Petherschon. And I don't think that they're going to be that cheap. Just my thought. Things could always change. Maybe they do some kind of a short term deal instead. But certainly I don't think it's going to be easy for them to navigate around all of that. As for the Jets, we're basically where we started, which is still without a big acquisition for a top four defender. That is okay in my book for one reason, and I think it's just because Nate Schmidt's contract in particular comes with a few added risks. He is kind of signed for a good long while, and he's also not that cheap. So if he is slowing down like his results showed last season, and it's not something that, you know, is an injury he's fully recovered from, or it was his partner, and in fact it's just him actually not as not as good as he used to be, that would be a bit of a problem going forward. I'm not thinking that he's going to have the same issues because he was often given extremely tough assignments last season and maybe a few too many minutes just kind of wearing him down. But if he is starting to decline, that would be a bad contract going forward, especially after two to three seasons. I do still think the Jets can get somebody though, and that's Mackenzie Weger sitting there with the Florida Panthers, and it sounds like he is still on the trade block. Apparently they were trying to potentially work a deal with the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs to get Weger up there. If I'm the Jets, I still think that the roslovic Weger swap makes a lot of sense. Even if Roslovic wasn't moving for Nate Schmidt, he could certainly move for Mackenzie Weger, provided Weger doesn't have Winnipeg on his no-trade list. Nate Schmidt might have had the Jets on his, because he had 10 teams that he said he wasn't going to go to, but I've heard no such rumors surrounding Uyghur. And maybe McKenzie would fit in better just with the way that the Jets play and, and stylistically what they're looking for. While not getting a top 4D like Nate Schmidt kind of sucks, it's also not the worst outcome if the Jets are able to get younger and cheaper and somebody like Uyghur. I could certainly see that being a, a good deal if they can sign him for a couple of seasons at around 2.5 to 3 million. 
And it also makes Winnipeg less likely to be tied down to a big contract, especially when it comes up to something like a line A extension. We just need to sit tight and be a little bit patient. I do expect the Jets will make some kind of a move at some point in the near future. I'm not sure what it's going to be other than Roslovic moving out and somebody else coming in, I would have to imagine. But hopefully Winnipeg doesn't let us down. And with that, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. And be sure to check in with all of our NHL League affiliates around the Locked On Network to find out more about how your favorite team is handling the NHL offseason. Thanks again, have a great night, and go Jets go!